to another Keel Hall podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea of Thieves news to cover today, so tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you had yourselves a good week and a good weekend. I know I did. This week, we got an announcement for the Sea of Thieves role-playing board game, as well as information of going into E3 this year, and I got to sit down and have a nice conversation with John McFarlane from Sea of Thieves and Rare. All that and more on this week's episode of Keel Hauled Podcast. First up on today's docket, I wanted to talk a little bit about the weekly update video that we got uh, regarding this last week. We, we found out from Joe that they are going to be going to E3 this week, but because of the way the content cycle came around, the update they wanted to kind of punctuate the one-year anniversary for Sea of Thieves. So the mega update that we got during the, the end of March, beginning of April, that is something that they're going to be promoting and showing to a vast majority of people that have yet to actually go out and try Sea of Thieves or have tried Sea of Thieves and stopped at some point to try out other games or they just weren't satisfied with the content that they were having. And they want to use this opportunity to really kind of show some of the cool stuff, especially with like the arena or the tall tales, things that people can actually jump in and enjoy now with the free content updates that have been coming all year round. So I'm looking forward to seeing what E3 has for many, many reasons outside of Sea of Thieves, but I am glad that there is going to be a presence. So if you are planning on going to E3, then you definitely want to make sure that you go say hi to the team, let them know what you think, give them some feedback, be positive, be critical, let them know what you don't like, and see if they can get a better understanding of what uh, they can do to make the game even better in the future. Um, outside of that, there's not much else going on except the next thing I want to talk about, which is the Sea of Thieves role-playing game. So Sea of Thieves on May 31st announced that they are doing a partnership with Mongoose Pub Publications or Publishing uh, for a Sea of Thieves based RPG game. And this is, it's actually, it's kind of awesome actually. I was, I was looking at this. I'm not a big role-playing person when it comes to tabletop role-playing. I've never had good friends growing up that were into it. And in my later years, I never had like uh, long-term friends that I ever wanted to kind of jump in and do like a full big campaign. I've done a couple small D&D sessions here and there, but they haven't really been really good experiences. Um, they've, they've been kind of like, okay, kind of cool, but I never really felt like a lot of growth. So when Sea of Thieves announced this, this finally felt like the kind of hook that I need to get me into the role-playing uh, kind of genre, like as far as like doing D&D kind of campaigns and stuff like this. So if you're interested at all and you have pirates that you sail with on a regular basis, this is definitely something worth checking out uh, if you have any interest at it all. Um, right now you can pre-order it. The pre-order for the box set is $60.00. And you can, with that, you get a bunch of different stuff. So you'll actually get the Book of Pirates. It's an introduction to the, the actual game itself, complete with a voyage to kind of teach you how to get started, what you're going to be doing, some of the different rules about it, and how to get going with your first one. There's um, a, a, an actual tomb that tells you about the lore of the sea, uh, something that will help kind of 
people running the game masters or the GMs kind of running the campaign to let people kind of decide how they want to go and what they can do in the world. There's also going to be um, a book of voyages, and this is a complete campaign for Sea of Thieves that will uh, kind of start kind of start you out searching for these things called Ashen Jewels, which I'm kind of interested to dig more into and find out uh, what that's about. There's going to be um, a map of the Sea of Thieves, and I can't remember if it's the full map. Let me see if I can find it real quick while I'm doing it. No, it doesn't it doesn't quite show me the map itself. But the map is supposed to have uh, all of the Sea of Thieves right now. They've got uh, 18 legendary dice that are going to be in there. So if you've been wanting, wanting dice in Sea of Thieves, well, congratulations. Now there's dice for Sea of Thieves. In real life, you can get uh, something that I was actually... I think I can't remember who I was talking to, but I was wanting some Sea of Thieves dice because uh, we had talked about some of the stuff we saw in the arena. And also, the thing that I think is probably the the most controversial, the thing that most people are probably going to have um, be the grumpiest about, I, I don't know, whenever these things come up, that always seems to be the point where people get grumpy, including myself in some cases. But if you buy the box set edition, it comes with an exclusive download code for uh, a would-be pirate king called the Lord Guardian Sales. And if you if you if you've noticed anything in Sea of Thieves, um, I believe it's the is it the cover art? I want to say it's the actual cover art for Sea of Thieves. Not not necessarily like the Reaper's Mark, but the actual Sea of Thieves um, cover that has like the pirates and you can see the actual rowboat and the shark and the ships. I believe it's the Kraken sails that are on the cover uh it's got kind of the the skull with the the tentacles going out um of course my internet's being slow right now why why would it want to show me anything that i want to see right away without having to um to wait for it that long but anyway this is these are something that have been in the art book for quite a while and we've kind of been trying to figure out like when this is actually going to come out um, there's a lot of a lot of cosmetics that are in the art book that have been realized in the game, and we always kind of wonder, you know, like when when do we actually get a chance to to see those come to the game? And these were one of the last few things in the art book that we hadn't seen. That I'm always kind of thinking, like, all right, they, they got to be coming out soon. I imagine they're they're going to be download codes for something. We just don't really know what, um, or if they're just going to straight bring them to to the actual game. Um, but now we know. So if you pre-order this $60 box uh, for the, the role-playing game, you're going to get all, the, all the, the stuff that you need for the actual uh, game itself. And then uh, with this, you're going to be able to get the, the actual cosmetic for in-game as well, something that you can actually put uh, for or put, put on your, your sales in adventure mode. And yeah, it does look like the, those are the, the same sales from what I can tell. So I'm, I've already pre-ordered mine. It's based in the UK, so if you are buying it, it's $60 uh, uh, euros, or 60 euros, I should say, instead of $60. I really gotta remember to do that. And uh, I think after shipping, I think it came out to $88 USD. Um, so it's, it's about, it's, it's pricey. It's definitely pricey, um, more than I want. But then again, $60 euros uh, is what I would expect to pay 
or 60 bucks is about what I would expect to pay for something like this um, in, a, in America. But because it's euros and it's getting shipped overseas, it's going to cost me more. Happily paid for it. Uh, can't wait. I've already got the... So if you pre-order this, you will be able to go into your account on Mongoose Publishing and download the PDF for the game already. Like I, I can already print out all of the little tokens and ledgers and stuff that I need. I can read the entire book through. Uh, if you just want the PDF ebook, you can buy that for 30 euros. And you can also pick up uh, an additional set of um, dice for it. So if you if the 18 dice that come with the actual box set aren't enough and you want to have more, there's another set that is uh, 1750 uh, euros that includes 20 extra legendary dice um i have not picked those up yet because i don't know that i'll need them because a lot of this is something that i think i'm going to be playing when uh, i get a chance to kind of read through it and i find other people that have already pre-ordered it and have all the content and get a chance to read through it as well i'm going to be doing some extra content for the show and I'm going to find some people that, that are willing to spend a, a day out of the week to sit down and run through a few of these campaigns. And what I want to do is I want to actually record these, uh, stream them on Twitch, and then put them out on YouTube so people can watch the VOD as well as uh, take the audio and put the audio up as supplementary to the standard week's content. So that way, if you've, if you want to have like a, a campaign story, like I personally, I love listening to like the adventure zone and there will be dungeons. And there's a couple other RP uh, podcasts that I listen to that I really enjoy hearing the stories. And if it's one thing that you guys have all really loved about this show is the, the captain's logs and the first mate's logs. Um, so that's something that I think uh, will be an interesting thing to try out. Um, obviously it's going to be hard to do without like having the physical stuff in front of you. Um, having just the PDF is good, but it's, unless you go out and actually print all that stuff out on your own, uh, it's going to be hard to kind of create a group without having the actual dice and whatnot as well too. So it may be later in the year when that actually ships out that we start doing that. But if I can get it done sooner, I think I'm going to push to try and get it done sooner as well too. It's just going to require me some some kind of time to kind of sit down and read through all this stuff uh talk with some other folks who are willing to start up a couple test campaigns and to kind of record those online as well too so more information on that to come when i have more to talk about but preliminary that's kind of what's going on so like i mentioned um these are something that were up for pre-order the dice are already out of stock uh, I don't know if you can pre-order those still. They're expected to ship in October. Um, let's see. It looks like you can still pre-order the gaming box set and you can buy the, the, the PDF at any time as well too. And I wasn't expecting this at all. This came totally out of left field. And I dug into the PDF a little bit about it because obviously they, they put the word lore into it. And that got me excited, so I had to go check that out. So as soon as I started digging in, I realized this has been play-tested and worked uh, in conjunction with Rare, directly with like Adam, Pete, and Mike, and Shelly, and Andy have been testing this. They've been playing it on their own. And this is an extension of the game. This isn't something that's just created as kind of a cash grab for, for, for Sea of Thieves fans. This is actually something that will work its way into 
Sea of Thieves lore. Like this lore is considered canon and should be respected as such. This is something that, that Mike and them have worked personally on to make sure that it makes sense in the world of Sea of Thieves that uh, anything that is in the Sea of Thieves um, book for this role-playing game um, doesn't contradict anything that's currently in the game as well too. So the stories you create on the seas are just as valid as the ones done on, on the tabletop with friends around you or over the internet as well too. So if you have stories that come from this, share those as well because it's all the same. We're all creating our own pirate legend story. And whether you're doing it through a role-playing game on tabletop or whether you're doing it in-game or you're just talking about the game in general, these are some really cool ways to have this pirate experience with such a specific flavor given to us uh, in, in, a new, in new and interesting ways. So I'm, I'm really excited to kind of dive into this to kind of learn more about how role-playing works and how, how people, how kind of, you know, game masters and stuff. I mean, like I said, I've been listening to podcasts about this, so I have a general idea. But as far as uh, doing it with pirates and Sea of Thieves and stuff, completely foreign to me. So I'm looking forward to figuring this all out. And hopefully you are too. And with that, let's move on. All right, pirates. Next up on today's docket, I'm going to give you the interview that I had with John McFarlane. Now, uh, there's going to be a little bit of an introduction. And to preface this, I wanted to let you know um, that the interview that I did with him was something that we've been planning for a few months now. And we've been wanting to get it done for a while and with the anniversary update we had to hold off for that and with e3 right around the corner literally a week away there's very little time that we were able to kind of work this in um, i've had a couple other episodes that i've done solo as well as with captain falcor and others and because of that it's always kind of been hard to know like when would be a good time to fit this interview in so we we felt like it was um now was the the best time that it was going to be and as such the laptop that john was planning on uh, recording from was actually not working at the moment so he had to record using his phone in discord uh, so there's going to be some breaks in the audio it's going to get kind of choppy and in a couple places um, there was definitely some some audio quality that we had to work around but this was something that I felt was interesting enough and worth it for me to to give to you so that you can kind of learn a little bit more about who John is and how he is uh, or how he got to the place that he's at now. And, you know, if, if you don't listen to the whole thing, which I, I highly recommend you do because I, I absolutely loved all of it. And there was some really interesting stuff in there. Come away knowing that John is not only a great human being, a great person, and I love everything that he's done for us as a community for Sea of Thieves, but he genuinely loves this game as much as we do. In fact, he is as big of a fan of this game as we are. And for him, going to, to, to check out stuff in the game is just as exciting as it is when they actually get to release it for us. So I hope you enjoy this video and go into it knowing that we didn't get to, to record it at the, the best quality that we, would, that we wanted, but it's a good enough story that I wanted to get it out there so that this kind of laid the groundwork so that I could actually get another chance to record with him later on down the road. I want to make sure that 
you know, we at least got something for you uh, this week as we kind of go into E3 with all the excitement of all the stuff that's going to get announced. So uh, I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed recording it with John. And in the future, we will definitely be revisiting uh, to, to do another podcast and make sure that we can um, get more interesting information uh, out there for you about stuff that comes out in the game in the future. So thanks uh i really appreciate you guys listening to this let me know what you thought of it obviously the audio quality is not where where we want it but that aside the the content is totally there and i i love i love having this opportunity i look forward to doing this with more rare employees as well too if i can get the opportunity so if you're listening in i am now joined by john mcfarlane also known as Internal Air on the internet, who is uh, one of the biggest faces of... Um, oh, hi. I'm just going to say to Taco Bell, do you want me to bring you back anything? Can I get a burrito supreme? Sure. No. Yeah. Thanks. And that was my wife, who was uh, asking if I wanted anything from Taco Bell. Burrito um, supreme. Do you guys have Taco Bells out there? We do not. Oh, we do have I imagine. Probably have some. Wait, I, mean, I haven't Pepsi. one like anywhere except from London. I don't think, but certainly Birmingham. That makes sense. Apple Bell. So um, sorry for the, uh, the the short break there, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm joined by John Internal Air McFarland from Sea of Thieves, who's the public facing uh, member that does all the hosting for the weekly streams and was the host of the Sea of Thieves podcast uh, for years and has moved on to, to creating content. And if you don't recognize him, what are you doing? You should be watching all the YouTube videos where you'll find out which video is exactly <laughs> his favorite. So John, how are you doing today? Thank you very much for, joining, uh, for letting me join you. I, uh, I was very excited to be known as the biggest face. That's, uh, that's the a new way for me to be described as the biggest face. <laughs> Not, I like not that one. physically, but <laughs> but you but you are the the yeah. I would say you're you're as front facing as as Mr. Neat oh, or thank uh, you. Mr. Chapman. Yeah, I'll and rub that one in. So that's uh, and well, I, into a wound there is great for me. <laughs> you guys have the the best feud going on. I, I really love it. Um, and I so the reason I wanted to to kind of bring you on was to be able to kind of find out a little bit more about who you are because you're always in videos and we always see you and a lot of people know that joe need is is the executive producer a lot of people know that shelly and andy are designers and that uh, mike is the the you know creative director but who are who are you essentially in in the company what is your your main job well, at the moment, uh, I am community video manager, which, to be honest, is a made up role. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I started off, um, probably the best way to, to describe it is to start from the beginning, as any good story. Um, yes. So we, I was brought into Rare initially um, to work on CSEVs. I was there from pretty much kind of like the third month of development. So literally as they, as they started it and put their pitch together, I was there the week that Phil Spencer came over to play the prototype. Um, 
is the week I started, um, which was very early on in development. And yeah, wow. We, so they, they brought, brought me in and said that my main mission was to create a documentary for Sea of Thieves. Um, we looked at things like uh, stuff that, I think is it called Two Players or something, uh, Two Player Productions, the ones for, that did it for Double Fine um, when they were mm-hmm. getting uh, the documentaries for some of their games for their Kickstarters. And they were like, we, we really like this stuff. We'd, we'd love to have something like this for Sea of Thieves. So for the first probably six months or so, I was just wandering around uh, putting cameras in people's faces who were all at that time not very comfortable in front of being being in front of camera. Some of the people who nowadays, um, like Shelley uh, Preston and Andrew Preston, were just not really interested in being in front of camera at all. And it's amazing to see now how much the trail and how great they are um, on camera and being spokespeople. Um, but yeah, everybody you know, just sighed when they saw me coming because I'd wander in with the camera. <laughs> the phone, they'd be like, oh, he's back again. He wants to talk about something. Or I'd be sitting in, in very important meetings when they were discussing things like names and, and uh, getting into heated debates about progression systems and such. And, and I'd be there with this camera pointing at them. Um, <laughs> and then we kind of quickly decided that that wasn't the approach we wanted to take as we spoke more about how we develop Sea of Thieves with the community. It didn't feel right that what we would do is just have one big video at the end. Um, that didn't make much sense. Um, and then, as it always does, E3 gets in the way. <laughs> um, yeah. So what, which I'm pretty sure is happening right now too, right? <laughs> yep, as always. Um, and so we we got I got John McMurtry, brought John McMurtry on board. Who, um, if you watch the streams, he was on last week's stream. Yeah, it was uh, the first stream he's ever been on. Uh, yeah, for us. And John's amazing. He's the voice of everything that we do, basically all the content updates and and whatnot. And he's been my kind of a lifelong friend uh, through like high school and university and everything. So he came, he came down from, he was work, working at Creative Assembly at the time. Um, and he came over. That's so cool. Um, he's a huge Rare fan, so it didn't take much convincing to bring him over. Sorry, Creative Assembly. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he joined him and we started thinking about, at that time, the E3 2000 and, uh, trailer so the the initial reveal the hand yeah. of the eyes one um so me and him just sat for ages blocking that out and that was not on my remit um when i first started it so i was insanely intimidated that six months into a job i was tasked with creating an e3 trailer for a review of like a triple a ip i um, xbox like um yeah I can imagine <laughs> like that. That must be pretty rough to uh, to try and set the set the tone and the uh, the pacing for what this game is going to become. Yeah, and at that time, we pretty much only had the Unity prototype, and everything was still trying to be like fleshed out in Unreal. Um, oh wow! Everything that you saw in that 
reveal trailer was running in Unreal and it was running. So those thumbs that were controlling the person who was doing the looking and stuff, that was literally just me on a controller, like walking through the environment. And we had to, we did that trailer so many times. In fact, we have an internal trailer uh, our cut of that trailer where all you see all the perspectives from the Unity prototype right through to the final version of that same path oh, wow. for the walkthrough, um, which I hope we get to release at some point. Yeah. Wow. That's it. But you guys are still every trailer that comes out aside from the the the, the any kind of gameplay video that you show of like ship sailing and stuff uh, to kind of like explain new things in the world like that's all still done still done by hand right yeah 100% all like machinima um man so apart from obviously the the stuff that we work with real time on like the tall tales trailer and hungering deep and stuff like that which are obviously cinematic um yeah everything else we've done um from the very start has been machinima so the e3 the 2017 walkthrough that we did um gameplay video that was all that that was the hardest video I've ever made um, or we've ever made wow. in the video team. I say that because the guys put on like, a crazy amount of effort for that. Um, but it's, it's really interesting from, again, from day one, Joe set this bar of, we will not ever create anything that isn't legit in the game. So I don't ever want to deceive people what is in there and what isn't and how things play. Um, yeah, and until post release, we were never able to convince them that we should do things like the the hungering deep simply because of that, and it like, it worked out so well for us because we were never able to be pulled up on, oh, is this is this real? Can you really do this? And is this, you know, is this what your game really looks like? Or are you just making something that's like an E three trailer? Um, because it was that's that, yeah that's kind of the the issue with a lot of a lot of news pundits and stuff they go to e3 they see all these trailers and then you know like a year or a year and a half later when the game actually launches they look at the trailer and they look at the game and they're like look there are some big discrepancies on what you showed us we were going to get by the time this game came out and i never felt that with sea of thieves and i think that's one thing that's kind of rung true with the entire development is that you guys started off super strong as far as vision is concerned and you just kind of stuck on that track and ran all the way to the finish line with it yeah i mean graphically some uh, from the 2015 trailer i know that some things seems like lighting for example and some of them some of those things maybe from a technical point of view people will be like oh you know there is self-shadowing on grass and and things but a lot of that was removed for artistic purposes. So we had a very obviously defined style. Well, and the style was still being, and the lighting and stuff was still being defined at that point. So it was a lot of that stuff was just due to the style that we wanted to take. Very little um, was changed because like, we couldn't do that per se. And most of it was additive. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there that uh, we changed just because it looked better rather than uh, to try and and bring it down a notch but it was definitely um really interesting to go through that process and see things like lighting and, and stuff change but the main core game it's amazing how much of that is the same game i played in the unity prototype like five five years ago essentially now 
um, nothing's really. Yeah. That, that vision, and this is like tribute to Joe and, and Mike and Greg and Shelley and Andy, that, that same core vision has stayed the same the entire way through. And that's, and I mean, you're still playing Sea of Thieves to this day. In fact, you're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you, you've, you've obviously, you love this game. Like what, it, what is it like working for a company that makes a game that you actually really love playing all of the time? I mean, if I'm being completely frank, the, you know, job offers have, have kind of come and gone, but you, you stay doing something because you love it. And I love working for Rare and I love working on Sea of Thieves. It's, it feels like a proper family at Rare. Just Rare in general is just such an amazing place to work. In fact, today, um, when I was going in to pick the, the laptop up to, to do this podcast, I, um, I popped into Rare and I was there with my like partner, Paul, and, and two of my friends. And they just got to kind of come into the main grounds and, and the reception. And they were like, like wow. This place. it's just something very special about it um just the grounds and then you then you've got the people and the way we work together and how how close everyone feels and the kind of things they do like the creative jam and you know the um we just started up an lgbtqi group within there and you know all that stuff is so well backed within the, the company like the women gaming stuff it, it's it's amazing uh yeah come through but then sea of thieves as well just in general as a game i mean i've always loved rare games but something just really struck me with sea of thieves it was just something really special and we knew we had something kind of special in our hands divisive in some cases but um like special and we knew we when we started seeing that community grow around it as well we were just super yeah by by the way that everyone it was brought together by the game and the, the, the stories you hear about how it brings people together and the time they spend in there and, and uh, the friends and and partners even that they've found within the game. It's just been absolutely amazing. Yeah. And and to say that it's divisive is is kind of underplaying it. I think a lot of people come to this game with and with a, a kind of understanding of how most open world persistent games should play out and they tend to find themselves kind of sitting unknowingly of what to do when they get in and they find out like there's there aren't there's no hand to hold you with this you you have to go in to this game with the the idea that you're the one that drives your own story and to do that you get a few things to kind of help you help kind of push you out the door and onto the ship but for the most part you you have to kind of make your own your own plans your own decisions and you've you've kind of done that in a sense um with your with your role at rare as well too i mean the can you talk a little bit about what what kind of started up with after you started making the videos for the games, but um, more so like with the podcast, because you, you guys were part of the inspiration why I actually started up my own podcast, because I saw it was possible to do a show just purely on one game. And this game caught me enough to want to do that. And you kind of started off the podcast as well. But what what was kind of the the incentive or the uh, the impetus for, for creating that? 
Oh, I'm glad to hear starting off that, that you you were inspired by Obviously, you've done an amazing job so far. I love hearing the stuff that comes from you. Um, but Thank you. Uh, yeah, I think it was in those days for us, it was a bit to do with, I suppose, not having something like the the developer update out there. So we wanted a way to keep the community up to date with what was happening on a less frequent basis than, than the developer update would, which was weekly. Um, and it, it was more of a monthly, well, we tried to be as monthly as possible um, mm -hmm. with the, the podcast. But for us, it was a very quick way to get sat down and honestly have a really frank conversation uh, with each other about what was going on in the studio as well as what was going on um, in the game itself and sometimes in our personal lives it was just a way to kind of sit down and have a chat really and a catch up about um, studio life and our lives and and I think it was this might make it sound a bit kind of like shallow but we wanted people to see that there were there were faces behind the game you know that there were people this is not like sometimes it's hard because you see sea of thieves and you see xbox and these are big new rare you know all big brands and big names but at the end of the day there are people people who spend their evenings like or away from um maybe family members because they're so passionate about doing this like and and they want this to be the best game so we wanted the community to be able to see that you know there's there's names and there's faces behind this sort of stuff and there's a real passion and love that goes into it um so getting people behind those mics or behind the camera and uh, behind those mics or in front of the camera was as, as important for us as um, as creating the podcast itself and, and getting the information out there so it was partly information it was partly just being hum humanizing the game and humanizing development I think that's a big role with most studios that a lot of studios um, tend to miss. Uh, I know with like Nintendo, Nintendo is this kind of amoebus entity that, you know, we know that first party games come from them, but we don't know the people that actually make those games. And they're very, very secretive about who actually makes those games. And it's things like the like the the Santa Monica studio uh, movie that came or movie or video, depending on how you want to look at it, that came out about the development of God of War and how trying that was for that studio, but how happy they were to do it that I, I can totally empathize with wanting to make um, studio personnel like people that actually make the games more a part of the actual development. And I to this day, I still see comments of people calling out that rare is this or rare is that and they they aren't happy with decisions that are made or you know they are happy with decisions that are made and it's it's things where like i think it was when the when the anniversary update video came out i really wanted to find out like who were all the people that were involved with that trailer and 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 thankfully you know John came out and not you, John, but other John came out and, and listed pretty much all of the people that were involved with it. And it was so cool to kind of get an opportunity to look behind the scenes and some of the behind the scenes 
videos that you've put out, especially towards like a year ago when you put out the, the launch video of what was going on behind the studio or at, at the studio just before launch, it was really kind of interesting to see all the different groups of people that were working and who they were and, you know, putting names to faces and seeing like Adam and Pete are the ones that are kind of working on the lore outside of the game. Mike's working on the lore inside of the game. You know, you've got Chris Marlowe, who's who's with engineering and, and um, Andy and Shelly, who are designing with Mike and you and, and Dee who are, who are um, and Emma, who are working on the community side of things with Cameron and now Aaron and all the different people. And it's 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 important to know, like, I think from 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 a community perspective that everyone there are all people that deserve the kind of praise that that comes from spending years of your life on one project and one project only and then not get any kind not to be able to be like yay it's that was me <laughs> i'm very <laughs> proud of that you know so it's it's good to hear that you know part of it was to keep people informed but also that it was important enough to to let people know who are the people that are actually making these decisions and choices and learn their names and stuff like vince is amazing and robin and stuff it's it's I know more of the staff at Rare than any other company that I actually have friends at. <laughs> it's it's weird to, to know. Yeah, I think that's the thing. And There's so many like hardworking uh, people there who is the past like five, six years of their life has been building Sea of Thieves. And, um, and we, there's, there's so many more that don't either get to be on camera because um, they don't um, we just haven't got round to them being on camera, which I always address people for if they haven't managed to get on camera or um, who just kind of don't want to be in that spotlight, but who works super hard. I mean, some of this stuff way back when I was in the first behind the scenes, um, you had Valentine on there. He did all that, the cloud and tech art systems, some of the tech art in the game. Yeah. Insane. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's there's just a bunch of Mark Lucas on the on the water. Like, I mean, the person incredible. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, there's just. A bunch I think the, I think it was the special effects video that you guys did about capturing things like smoke and like water droplets and stuff for the for um, Forsaken Shores. Like, I think that was one of the coolest videos. It felt like a true documentary <laughs> on like how fully work for visual effects kind of works and. Stuff like that's always amazing. I love I love seeing that stuff. I mean, that's why we bought DVDs with special features back in the day, or I guess people still are doing it with Blu-rays now. Yeah, I love, um, I love making that stuff. Sometimes it's to get um, to get some of the the footage through that we wanted from, for example, the, the Unity prototype. I know we got some of it into things like the Robo uh, video and the. Uh, lately with the harpoon and things being able to capture some and the ship destruction uh capture some of that original unity prototype and capture how people are doing it some of the sound effects stuff with it we made with the giant pool of water where they're throwing in the kind uh bowling ball yeah. cannonballs and things it's just, yeah amazing that still it still blows my mind like that i i can't believe like it was it was probably around Forsaken Shores that I was having a sit down chat with a couple of the other community members and we were just kind of fantasizing about stuff coming before um, 
before we were trying to sit down and try and work out what shrouded spoils meant. And one of the things that uh, had gotten mentioned, because I think Joe was in the, the chat room of, of one of the Mixer streamers, uh, Chalk Muju, and, or no, it was, I think it was either Chalk or, or Octurus Mike, um, but her and Car- or her, him and Carides were, we were all just kind of hanging out. And the idea that I, I was thinking like, well, it would be so cool if the masts could take damage. And, and at <laughs> then I was thinking like, you know, it, it would take damage, it would fall down and then you would have to bring it back up and use five planks to repair it before it could actually work again. And, you know, fast forward six months and the announcement trailer comes out and we're getting this concepts of ship damage. And then to find out that it was something that was actually prototyped in Unity, I was just like, God, you know, that's that's why I love this game, because the stuff that I thought about, uh, you know, just as I was thinking like, oh, it'd be kind of cool if this was a thing to know that that so much work has already been put into the game that is still being realized even a year after the game is launched is is cool and inspiring to know like there's probably stuff in the can that you can't talk about that is that is coming down the line that I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out like you know what are things that were, were still prototyped that haven't been announced that are eventually going to make it to the game yeah i mean, I mean there's yeah. there's a bunch of stuff there that i know that was in the that are they're still in the works. I mean, that we're working our way through as well. That some of these things are massive technical challenges. Um, I know the ship destruction was one of them because we have this game that um, I know sometimes we manage to like slip bugs and stuff through there, but for the most part, is a very polished open world game like this that's constantly being added to and the uh adding things in like ship destruction on top of the ships that were already built there is just like i mean i i can't fathom how they do it but when i see the process they have to go through in order to make that stuff work when from the performance side of things to make sure it doesn't destroy everyone's uh, performance and also um from a balancing point of view and yeah it, the technical challenges are that seem insurmountable when you start this stuff. Um, yeah. And at the end, it's go, you go, oh, it's a mast falling over. But um, when you see the process they have to go through, and I wish I was able to tell that story for a bunch of the things that we did um, in much more detail because some of it is incredible. The, the skeleton ships or the AI for that is, is just insanity. Um, so And yeah. over a networked game as well, which is... Which is crazy um but but yeah it's, it's super exciting for the, the things that we have planned in line there's just there's, there's so much more coming that's going to be exciting and, and interesting to see how it goes down with players yeah it's going to be it's it's amazing to think about how much effort goes into uh into that kind of like just trying to work out how you get ai things to walk on other ai things that are floating in ai things in a world that two of those have to come together and register interactions properly across the world on multiple servers so it's 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 amazing to try and think like just how much effort it is to just get a cannon to fire from a ship on water to another ship on water and have that register properly like 
Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, magic that goes on over there that I, I don't understand, that I appreciate, or that sometimes I even forget just how, how insanely difficult it must be to try and work that kind of stuff out. And that's what makes it sometimes um, a little easier when I go in and ask questions, because for the most part, I have no idea. So I'm genuinely asking, like, how, how did you do this? Um, yeah. I mean, I try to keep up to date with as much of the development as possible so that I know what we can go and chat about and what we can and what questions we can ask and what we can't. But for the most part, I'm just like, they are like magicians to me because I have no idea how, how it works. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's, it's funny sitting from like a community perspective, how easy it is to kind of have that armchair developer moment where we're like, well, I, I don't understand why they can't just flip a switch and let us change <laughs> ship types in game. Like yeah. it seems like it just scuttle ship, talk to ship, right? Get new ship, right? That <laughs> seems simple enough. Like, yes. Yeah. And, and, and sitting back, it, it sounds like it would be easy, but it's every time, you know, something as simple as like, let's try and figure out how to put a mirror in the game. Yeah, there's there's so much more that is involved and i was talking um candidly with with mike about this about how apparently it's it's not just a reflective surface in that game it's literally reflecting the entire world that's in front of it yeah and and in my in my mind i was just like wait so you're telling me that to be able to make a fully reflective surface to be able to look at my pirate and see the clothes that i'm wearing you would have to mirror the entire world as well and he's like, yeah and i'm like oh i can kind of see why you didn't go that route <laughs> that makes that makes a little more sense now i, I kind of see why why that would be a hard thing to do in a huge game like this yeah um one thing i did want to uh to touch on is kind of your history because it's it's great talking with you about where i could do it all night but i did kind of want to find out a little bit more about who you are and mm -hmm. like growing up how how did you get introduced to games so i wasn't a huge huge gamer um until the first xbox really um oh okay so i can't even think what age i was then this is but, this was probably around 2000 2001 or actually no probably more around 2000 one 2002 i think so i'd be what, like 16 i think um okay. mass is terrible I, I failed mass if you want when when what was your birth year if you don't mind 86. giving that up so, 86 okay so you would have been that would have been 420 they'd even about 15 16 around yes. that time yeah which um, is yeah so prime age for halo Yes. <laughs> and so Halo was my, like, and still is one of my favorite games of all time. Um, and if you look at my desk at work, it's, uh, it's just full of Halo stuff. Um, what, what's your favorite Halo? Oh, Halo. Game wise, like gameplay wise, Halo 3. Um, story, okay. Halo 4. Um, just Interesting. Halo 4, I'm so invested in the canon, the novels, uh, the comics and stuff that Halo 4, like for a lot of people might have went over their heads, but I loved every minute. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, I'm going to leave that one on the table because I'm not going <laughs> to. And so full full disclosure, I, I, I 
around the time that Xbox and GameCube were coming out, I got the opportunity to go to like special previews of both of those systems um, in Arizona. They had like two opposing tents uh, around ASU campus, which is the the uh, university or the uni there. And uh, they, I, I got to go to check out all the GameCube stuff. That was great. I got to play Luigi's Mansion and Star Wars Rogue Leader, Rogue Squadron at the time, I think it was, and mm-hmm. Pikmin. And then I went over to the Xbox tent and they were handing out copies of the, the Fall, I think it was Fall of Reach book that they were coming out with Halo to kind of give like a, like a, a beginning kind of information about who the Spartans were and, mm-hmm. and how Master Chief became Master Chief. And I played Halo and I was just like, oh, God. I love this so much. Yes. It's such a good game. <laughs> so, but since then, I've only ever gotten to play uh, one and two, and I've I've never been spoiled on the story oh. for three, four, or five. I haven't gotten, and I've and I've stayed away from it specifically just because I wanted to make sure that when I did get a chance to play, that everything felt very fresh to me, and that's kind of why I'm looking forward to when they come out with the uh, the PC versions, right? Because yeah, I think yeah. that's gonna. I think I'm really going to have a good time playing through those uh, for the first time. Um, so hopefully, hopefully nobody like ats me on Twitter and spoil <laughs> something for me. Don't do that, people. Um, so growing up, you so you started off with the Xbox in your teenage years, and then it seems like you've kind of stuck with Xbox since then. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, so I had the original. So going way back, I had the Commodore. Before, and I remember oh wow Rick Dangerous and things like that on Commodore sixty four, and then Master System, um, and uh, didn't play much of uh, Master System, but it was in the house, and my sisters loved playing that. So I've got two older sisters, um, who were kind of much older than me. They're like eight, nine years older than me, so they were uh, they were ahead with that. And then oh wow. I had um, the what came after what came out. Uh, then the PlayStation One after that, and uh, was hooked on Command and Conquer. I remember being so disappointed by Final Fantasy VII because I bought it due to the CG trailers and the, um, and, the <laughs> and that stuck yeah. with me forever because I think that's one of the ways that I approach things now is that I do not want to trick people and it's because of that moment that I went out and bought Final Fantasy 7 uh, with my PlayStation 1 and was so annoyed that it wasn't that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, that's funny. Yeah, it's funny how that kind of comes around now. So um, I'm right there with you with Command and Conquer. I love those games. They were so good. Oh, man. Yeah. I got into RTSs and, and then Pretty much after the, in fact, I had an Xbox and a GameCube. Um, and then pretty much after that, I've owned like, every system as I got more money. Um, yeah. I've owned kind of every system each generation. So I've, I've always had all three um, of them, but I primarily play on, on the Xbox. Do you, do you have, uh, is it mostly for like the exclusives then for, for the other two systems? Yes. Yeah. Just picking up the other two, um, for the exclusive. I mean, I'll smash others on each generation of Nintendo console. Love things like yeah. Next of Us and whatnot on, uh, in places Uncharted series was amazing. Um, so anything being Naughty Dog really is absolutely amazing. 
um, and I did love like the the God of Wars, especially the one, two, three, amazing. Um, and yeah, like so, gaming for me has has it picked up since basically I was sixteen, and from then on, myself and John McMurtry, um, he's he's a huge Nintendo fan. Uh, so he was mm-hmm. he was definitely an, an early he got me hooked on earlier rare games um conquer and uh, he bought me in fact i remember I, I went into hospital um around the time i was in high school and i remember him bringing me a gamecube into hospital um so that i could play Star oh. adventures um, but oh that's cool but yeah it was uh it's and since since then i've just been a big gamer and we've always had things like E3 parties. I remember going through university and having E3 parties where myself and, and John, and even Joseph Thomas, who now also works at Rare, is, um, in the video team, is, uh, we used to sit down and just order pizza and watch E3 for three days. That's cool. And you're going to E3 this year, right? I am indeed, yeah. So anyone who's listening who's also going, come, come by and say hi. Last year, I managed to, because last year I lived pretty close to L.A., and uh, I ended up going out to E3 um, to meet up with a friend, uh, Chris, uh, CJ Superpack, who does the Player One podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, he had agreed to pick up some Sea of Thieves merch for me, and I went out to go pick it up while he was there because I didn't get a chance to, um, at the time I'd only had a few months in on the podcast and I wasn't ready to try and apply for a media pass. Um, so I, I didn't get a chance to actually venture in, but one of the, it was funny because he messaged me, um, just before the, the actual events opened up and everything was open to the public. And he's like, Oh look, it's John McFarlane. And I was like, dude, you need to go up to him and ask him what his favorite video is. He's like, I'm not doing that. Come on, Chris, CJ, just do it. And uh, yeah, so I, I'm unfortunately I don't I didn't get a chance to um, to get uh, like the media pass and, and the money together to go this year, but I'm probably gonna try and go to TwitchCon this year down in San Diego. So nice. hopefully, if you guys are are making a presence there, I will I will have a, a lot better standing to uh, to head down there and actually get to meet everyone at the at the TwitchCon event. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll get to go to the TwitchCon Berlin. So. Um, I would hope we're going to get to do TwitchCon and you. Just, just slide, just kind of slide into to Joe and just be like, you know, you want to go on another motorcycle <laughs> trip. Oh, Joe is not a uh, not hard about going to going to these. He's not the one I need to. Sure. <laughs> oh, so we need to lean in on Craig then. Yeah. <laughs> Craig and Microsoft, just everyone, if you can at Microsoft and let them know that you want to see Sea of Thieves at TwitchCon in San Diego this year, I would be very happy. That'd be, that'd be nice. Um, so, and the last thing I kind of wanted to touch on um, is now that I've kind of understood, like you've, you've been a gamer for a large part of your life, maybe yeah. not since you were a little kid, but you've, you've definitely been in, in around games for a long time. How was it that you got into the actual industry? Um, so going like kind of going through university, 
I was sure that I wanted to do film and TV. Um, so, uh, I, well, in saying that, I actually initially was going to do musical theatre. Um, so I applied for musical theatre and, and did a, a bit of that. And I remember being told from the, the teacher, the lecturer, they were like, you know, you can sing and you can act, but you cannot dance. <laughs> And they were like, <laughs> you're never going to get through Aww. this. Because uh, it was quite a, a good school I was at. So they were like, you're never going to get through this if you can't dance. And they were like, and yeah. the thing you're going to have to do to get to the place where you need to dance, it's not going to work. <sighs> um, so I was like, kind of gutted, but at the same time, I always had the backup of film and TV. Um, yeah, that's so soul crushing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, and it, it's a, and I, I mean, if you can sing, then you could, I mean, can you, you can read can you read sheet music and stuff yeah yeah so if i mean if that's i don't see how you can't just work harder at dancing dancing <laughs> seems like the easy like you, you have to be born with pipes and you have to have like enough uh kind of information about who you are as a person to be able to act to to draw and sources to be able to like pull up emotions and whatnot i, I feel like dancing is the easiest <laughs> but maybe Maybe that's just because I haven't really tried it, but when you're um, tall and lanky like me, uh, that's not an excuse. No, no, there's, there's yeah. totally my coordination was just not great. So, um, but like I, it moved me on to film and TV, and I went and studied that. And when I got to my third year of university, and that I was just, I was really bored of university at that point. And mm -hmm. the things that I was learning, I didn't feel like I was learning the practical skills that I needed um, in that course. Sounds about right. And so I switched courses. I got my like kind of normal degree, my BA degree in that, but used my points to switch over to doing uh, animation and visual effects. And with the oh, interesting, yeah, with the intent that I would go there and learn be able to learn about how to direct cutscenes in video games um i knew i wasn't particularly good at animation um mm -hmm. i felt like if i knew how the pipeline worked and I, I understood it um i could possibly direct or produce that stuff um so that's why i went into doing that and i got my like honors degree in in that um and then leaving university um, and having a media degree, like as feels almost as good as leaving the university with no degree at all. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that's so funny that I had the I had the same thing because um, when I was growing up, uh, I went to I went to college, not like a full university, but like a specialty art college, and learned. I got my my associate's degree in uh animation with the with the idea that i you know I, I wanted to do theater i wanted to be uh an actor and then i looked in the mirror and realized that i'm going to be a much better behind a computer and at that point i was uh kind of working towards like i wanted to animate dinosaurs like i saw jurassic park and i saw what was possible with cgi and i was like that's beautiful i just want to i just want to be able to hopefully move to 
Washington one day and work for Nintendo making Zelda games or move to LA and start building dinosaurs and making them move on screen for people Mm -hmm. to get that kind of that kind of enjoyment as well, too. And once I got out of college, I realized that that's when the bills hit. And then that's that's kind of when you need to get a real job and start paying some of those bills so that you can live somewhere and whatnot. And uh, the dreams kind of got pushed to the to the side. And it wasn't until I made a last ditch effort to move up to Alaska that I started getting into community theater and realized just how how like physical features don't matter when it comes to acting because you're you're telling a story about real people most of the time and those real people have to look like real people they can't look like you know most really really high high paid actors who are just perfect looking all the time with a great makeup team so i totally i was right there with you where i wanted to be animating but i also wanted to be acting and I never thought about the route of going as a as kind of directing cinema, uh, cinematography and stuff. I never thought like I could be that that director person. So it's it's I'm I'm interested to see like how how did you go from wanting to direct videos and stuff to moving into like working for gaming? Yeah. So I was I was definitely and st- uh, a kind of better talker. Than, uh, than than anything else, and in regards to, I think I I'm a really good. Well, I like to think of myself as a really good people person, so I just tend to get on very well with people. And yeah, and so uh, I always seem to fall into producing jobs um, because it requires so much kind of people managing um, and. That's where I, I moved over to Canada for a while, and I, um, I had the opportunity at the end of university to do that. And so uh, I moved over there for a while and, and did some kind of job experience in a place called Frame Blender and Stars Media, like working on manga stuff. I was a massive anime fan, so um, wow, working on that stuff was was really interesting. Um, and then oh wow over into MTV where I ended up doing a bit of like producing there. And again, that was really just through friends, just through all of it. The biggest part of my experience that I would take from anything was not necessarily university. It was the fact that I made a really good group of friends at home, like through John McMurtry and Joseph Thomas, who are at Rare at the moment in the video team, um, who we just we just went out and made movies and we just made short films and in our spare time when everyone else was, especially at high school and things, when people were going off to do their, um, go to Malaga and stuff to get like wasted in some Greek island. Like we were out in John's farm making short films um, with our camcorder that we had at the time, a high eight camcorder. And oh, wow. I, I remember just doing that for years and years. And then when it went to Canada and we went to university, it was different, you know, like moving over there, making some great friends over there. And it was all about connections. It's all about who you know. It's all about the passion you put into it. When people see that you're passionate about it and they see that you're, you know, you have ideas and you're creative, it's just about making those connections and, and 
getting mm-hmm. and, and getting in different places. So it was literally a chain of, oh, I knew this person, I'm going to move to this different job and then working your way up to somewhere like MTV. And MTV eventually having that experience when I moved back over to the UK, working in, in the BBC and uh, in Channel 4 over here for a while um, through a programme called Gen Up that was happening in the UK at the time. Um, mm-hmm. A new generation of, of people going into uh, television. Television just was not, just did not do it for me. Um, I, I just felt at the time there was, just felt like it was dying. Like when I was, yeah. And it was definitely run by an old guard at the time, and especially at the BBC. Um, sorry, sorry, probably had, but, yeah, but uh, <laughs> had very specific ideas of how things should be run and, and who should be in control and making the decisions, I imagine. Exactly. And then, um, so then we started, it was myself and again, called Life Up Productions. Uh, up in Glasgow in Scotland and um, we started up that small company ourselves and then we started working with Microsoft and so we worked on uh, with 343 on Halo 4 um, doing some of the behind the scenes documentaries for that and uh, we worked with Axis Animation on uh, Assassin's Creed projects and, and then that kind of was again it's just known people once you get those projects um, which were all kind of based in Glasgow at the time, and which we had our mm-hmm. reel from the previous stuff that we'd done at you know, small corporate projects that we have been doing. Um, you then had that inroad with Xbox, and it was actually um, Graham Boyd um, at Xbox who we met through just doing our own community uh, video. So I think they're actually still on YouTube. So. If anyone wants to check them out, they're, they're quite painful for me to now go back and watch. Um, <laughs> Such as the curse of a creator. Yeah, I forget what they were called now. Um, but yeah, we created these, um, this, oh, I forget, this time on Xbox or something. Um, yeah. And yeah, we created like five of those series and one of them were interviewed. Gears of War, Judgment, I think we did. So it wasn't too long ago that we were, able, we were doing that. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, we. I saw John went off to work at Creative Assembly and I saw the, a job apply, uh, a job come up at Rare and I applied for it and yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. So I, yeah, I had no clue that you'd kind of... Uh... That you actually come over to to work over in Canada, and that you'd actually spent time at at MTV. Oh, yeah, um, and that feels like a second home. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's crazy. So, um, as as you're kind of looking towards the future uh, with with kind of what you're doing, are you looking to continue kind of this route, or have there have there been any kind of aspirations that you've you've had that you you want to pursue um as far as like job titles go or 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 do you want to start directing more of like hands-on with the the cinematics if you aren't already um so i think working with real time johnny martin deals uh johnny martin and and joseph thomas with kind of directing most of the cinematics hold on 
one sec the uh the audio is getting kind of robot-y mm-hmm. see if it if it fixes up try try again talk 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 making noises there we go there we yeah go. Um, awesome so yeah the, John McMurtry and Joseph Thomas now deal with most of the kind of real-time cinematics that we do, real-time DVD that does our um, in-engine cinematics. Um, but they direct that mostly. But I, I had my chance with um, Curse Sales to kind of produce that stuff. But now, as probably of next week, um, my job title is changing. Um, I think really? I'm having a meeting on Tuesday, so we'll find out what the actual job title is itself. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we are, um, I have been in a new role now for a couple of months. Um, so I'm still mm-hmm. doing a lot of the role that I was before and I'm still very hands-on with the scheduling for video and, um, and how that plays into our marketing strategy and, uh, and all up like producing each video and making sure it's delivered on time and, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I'm also working on um, everything to do with creators on our side. So uh, as we look towards what we want to do in regards to partner programs and anything like that, any, any of that like um, that we've talked about for a while now, what we do with creators and how what partner program looks like to us or what working with creators looks like to us, then as we think about how we want to involve people in that and creators in that process, that's that all falls onto my team. Yeah. Oh, nice. Is this something that's kind of like the, uh, the t-shirt, the creation that was, that was, that came up recently as far as like people kind of, um, putting their, their designs on, uh, uh, in, I think it was first prints. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, so that's all through Adam, but this is, this is kind of, oh, okay. Um, when we look at Twitch and Mixer and YouTube and all up and how uh, people like yourself uh, who, who go around, like, who create the podcast and um, and uh, we see amazing creators out there who have been with us a long time and naming just a few. We've obviously got like our like bearded Geddens out there, but Chuck and you know the people who are out there as, as solid parts of the community and have been there for a long time. So how do we go yeah. creating a, uh, places for them to be in and love and share content? Awesome! And that sounds exciting. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how that works out. And it won't be too long. Um, it's been in, kind of in the works for a little while now. So it won't be too. Long. Start talking. Nice. Oh, that's cool. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, to seeing like what, what could be potentially because yeah, that's one of the things that, um, it's one of the things that I think I, I've enjoyed the most is meeting up with, or not necessarily meeting up, but having conversations with other content creators about the game and just having so much fun, just kind of sharing our, our mutual passion for the game and knowing that, I mean, this is one of the few companies where I can honestly say that I've had a really positive relationship with, uh, no matter who I talk with and the, the amount of support that rare gives to, to us is, is phenomenal. Um, and the fact that you guys put out content for us on a weekly basis 
really kind of fuels the fire for for being able to create content to be able to speculate or dig into stuff and uh it's it'll be nice to see um kind of how this how this goes in the next month or two um depending on when it rolls out because yeah, uh, I, I know think, there's a lot of us that really love it yeah i think that like when we look at our um one of the key pillars of, of sea of thieves from the beginning was to want to build stuff with our community so that's something we want to do we want to continue to do whether that's um players with the game or whether it's um, content creators with um, any programs or things we have run with them. So it's like, it just makes sense to have everyone involved at every point. I mean, we like to always think that we, we have a clear direction that we want to head, but at the same time, there's no point in creating something for like a group of people if, uh, if that group of people has zero involvement the thing that they're going to be using, uh, essentially. Um, and same, yeah. you know, they get, we've got some amazingly creative people out there and I don't think up to this point we've done as much as we can to support that. And so when I you know, took over, there was a, a team that was already working on some of this and who have kind of since moved on. But when I took over the role in early March, um, they had some great ideas already in there. I've continued to build on that stuff and I brought um, people may have noticed that um, Che or just Che on, on uh, Twitch has joined the team so he's joined into my team um, yeah yeah so he's great dude too yeah he's been working with a, a working with his name about a month and a half I think um, doing some amazing stuff with uh, with these programs and yeah I'm just excited to get them out there and again it's that kind of foundation it's just foundation uh, that we're going to continue to build on. There's so, as as you know already, having been in the well, um, there's so much love for for this stuff, and and we wanted to create a game that was as fun to watch as it was to play, and doing more to support those people who are creating that content that people want to watch is that we want to. That's awesome. Uh, space as well, which for me, from a if we're taking it as a personal thing, from just really exciting to to work on something. I feel like I've got we can move the video stuff into a really good place where it's got the stream and we have yeah behind the scenes and trailers and and the dev updates and it's now got its own rhythm and it kind of goes along at its own pace and this was a nice new challenge. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm, oh man, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. If there's, if there's one thing that I could request, mm -hmm. uh, just as a, as an open request, because I, I, how often do I get to really make requests that are <laughs> locked in audio? Um, one thing that I would love to have is, uh, something that I think you, you would probably relate well to is, is the ability to jump into, uh, the game and kind of, set it up so that we can start building our own videos and stories and stuff um with our pirates like i'd love to have uh it, it's hard to, to kind of ask for like a private server type setting but to be able to make machinima uh with sea of thieves would be amazing um you know as, as it stands most of the the youtube content creators and stuff like falcor they have to have multiple accounts to be able to have like cameras to, to that are actually people just kind of viewing the the interactions that are going on 
Um, and I know that we would, we would love to be able to kind of tell our own tales, uh, or at least kind of explain stuff that's in print form to others in a visual way, um, that doesn't rely on having to take resources away from the studio, uh, once the tools are in place. And that, that's something that, again, I'm, I'm very passionate about and pushing that forward is, I think like the whole team are like when we, uh, there's, there's been a, I think one of the things that struck me uh, was Simon Proger, who's my manager, um, was going through recently uh, Sea of Thieves and how, how kind of young it is compared to other games as, as a service, which seems like a dirty word, but it is what it, the game is. Um, it was a service that are out there. Um, mm -hmm. And when I think that we were, were only in our year and there was this idea of like driving content it was about getting as kind of in this first year as much content out there as we possibly could and i think we, we properly went for that with the big updates that we already put out this first year and now as we kind of step back and we see okay like there's a bunch of new content in there um how can we now go and look at all those other things that we've kind of always wanted to do so definitely as Joe and, and, and the leadership team go away and um, at, at what we're going to do next for the game, um, and they're definitely in those talks at the moment, that we have mm -hmm. our voice in there for some of the things that we know that the community, especially the career community, has been asking for. So um, while those things are still in talks and we look at how they fit into the schedule, it's, it's not something we're ignoring, and it's definitely something we, we're looking into and seeing how much resources and how much work um has to go into that stuff and and where does it fit in the timeline for us so it's it's something we want to do for sure um it's just where yeah it is um over the you know, years to come that we have like where does it slot in maybe soon and maybe a bit further but we're definitely looking at it yeah yeah it's it's definitely i i have to constantly remind myself and and thankfully a lot of the the rare staff that i talk to remind me as well that we're as a, as some of the content creators in the community, we're, we're asking a baby to run, uh, you know, we're <laughs> trying, we're, we're, we want stuff really quickly because we, we know what we can do with it. And we know that, that, that we could have a lot of fun with it, but the, the, the game is barely a year old and it, it was, uh, at the start totally totally turned heel on on what you guys were planning on doing made an amazing year's worth of content and really punctuated that with uh the the shores of gold the anniversary update that just came out and it's it's gonna be interesting if not exciting and it's also kind of scary uh how this next year is going to pan out because you you've set a high bar uh for us <laughs> with with our expectations and I have no doubt that you guys will, will kill it with this this coming year. Um, and it, it's it's one of those things where being so invested in the game, I know kind of where the content flow is at the moment. And it's kind of like we, we hit a big moment and now we're going to kind of build up to the next big moment. So as people kind of go into E3, um, I don't hear much of them talking about sea of thieves and i think that that's a, a failing on the, the media's part of not paying attention to games as a service uh because they, they have to kind of stay on top of that that 
big new thing that's coming out because that's what people want to hear about for the most part. But I'm, I'm really hoping that this E3 gives um, Rare an opportunity to really kind of shine and be like, look, you know, a few years back, we showed you guys a trailer. You came back with some feedback. We pushed hard. We persevered through all of the all of the, the mediocre um, like ratings and, and reviews that came out. And now people are finally saying, like, now is a great time to, to start playing the game. Whereas some of us have been saying that this game has been amazing to play since the start. You just have to know how to have fun on your own and and go from there and not look for the the kind of same tropes that you find in other games um yeah I so think i'm looking forward to how things go ahead i was just gonna say i think there's, there's like there is that audience out there who like been in and either didn't come back or they came back for anniversary update and and, and saw the kind of new stuff in there but there's still a huge kind of to get into marketing terms addressable audience out there especially with new things like game pass and uh and whatnot that we're excited for new players to come in and, and to see the game and for old players to come back and if they haven't tried arena or tall tales it would be exciting to see them come back and do that but we also have we know we have this amazing like, like you guys are an amazing dedicated uh community and we like there there's an insatiable like ask for content or hunger for content because you're passionate about it and i get it like i'm being a fan of the game myself i'm exactly the same like i, I want more like, and every day I, and it's it's hard for me because every day i get to go down and i see the progress that's been made on stuff and i see the things that are coming and even like I try not to play too much of the things that are coming. I watch it, but I try not to play too much of it until it comes out into retail so that I can play it with with everyone else. But um, but sometimes I can't resist it and I put my go and play it at Andy's desk or something. Uh, but uh, but yeah, there's a bunch of stuff coming that I know is going to excite people and get people entertained. But at the same time, you're right. You're absolutely right around E3. It's there. We still have a job to do to go there and inform people about what has just happened and um, and what's just come along. We we shipped a massive update uh, to the game that has set the kind of foundation for what's to come. And uh, and it would be ill of us to just kind of like forget about that and move on when when we have such a big beat coming up. Um, and Ethan, I. Yeah, I, I really hope that you guys plant your flag in the ground and, and shout about how great the game is at E3 because there's there's going to, right now it feels like everyone's talking about next gen, next gen, what are the few games that are going to be coming out, crossover promotions with different companies and stuff. And, and part of me kind of like, it, it just kind of hurts when I think about it and I'm like, God, you, you guys don't not there are so many like if you guys want to talk about addressable market i would love and have constantly poked at the the idea of the game pass coming over to the nintendo switch because that's that's what i want <laughs> that's what i want deep down i want to be able to play sea of thieves on my switch and play halo on my switch and all the other games on my switch and to be able to have a whole different audience that hasn't ever talked about like i've gone on to friends podcasts and talked about see if these when they ask me like where they can find me and stuff but for me to go onto their podcast and be like all right now you guys have no reason to not play this game because you don't have an xbox or you you don't want to play it on pc just 
pull up Game Pass on your Switch and do it. Like, <laughs> well, that's a, a question. On your podcast, that's way above my pay grade. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, I, I, I would never expect an answer, uh, an answer for that question. But I have to continue to put it out in the ethos so that if, if one day someone at Microsoft is like, no, I'm just going to click play on this thing. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> The, that hopefully today is the the day where they they're like oh yeah that that would be kind of cool let's make some calls so but um john uh, thank you so much for joining me i kept you way longer than i that i initially proposed and i appreciate your patience with it and, and i've had such a good time talking with you about this absolutely the same not a problem at all anytime so if um, do you if are there any things that you want to to kind of put yourself out there for as far as like uh, how people can get a hold of you or anything that you're looking to do? Um, most people can probably find you at the end of videos for rare, but anything you want to plug or, or share? Uh, just really, if, yeah, if you can jump on, if you if you want to find me, I don't really much. Um, I get on there and I read a lot. Um, but I don't tend to post a lot on Twitter or really Facebook. I spend most of my time on Instagram, actually, but you probably don't want to see that because it's just loads of me pouting into a camera doing selfies. Um, <laughs> so unless you're interested in pouts, uh, that's uh, that's the only thing you're going to find me doing on Instagram. <laughs> Mostly professionally, I'm on Twitter. And check me out. I think internal error 86 is my Twitter handle there. Um and oh the 86 makes sense now yes <laughs> i was wondering where the 86 came from it, now it makes sense and it's because i'm so useful did, looking right and you're thinking the way 86 can be his uh, birthday because he looks totally like he'd be 21. <laughs> i just i yeah it's true i i figured i was just like well john's like 25 so yes. there's no way 86 is his birthday that's just got to be like he wanted internal error or there's some sort of internal error that managed to get him like a job someday or something like who knows. Um, but <laughs> that's, internal error that's... is actually my original Xbox. Your what? My original Xbox gamer tag uh, when I signed up. Oh, okay. Xbox day one. And what was, how did that come about? It was literally just, I think it was sitting, I remember exactly I was sitting in John McMurtry's bedroom floor because he was the only one with broadband um and we were sitting playing uh we went on we went on to play mech assault and um <laughs> and I, need, I was like i need to come up with a gamer tag and on green on his computer to the right there was an internal error like on the thing i was like oh, that'll do fine <laughs> and just typed it <laughs> with me all these years. oh that's too funny that's that's funny how that kind of works out. Awesome. Well, also, John, thank you. Oh, go ahead. We got also a big shout out to to Xbox and for flying that LGBT uh, banner proudly on their channels and proud of that. Yes. Um, so yeah, see all that come through and having the pride flag in game and flying pride flag. Say again. You broke up. No, we're going, we're flying the pride flag happily at Rare HQ at the moment and the, the flag poles outside. So I'm happy to see that happen. And then, yes, uh, big shout out to yeah. Pride Month and in the, in the US. 
Yeah, uh, I was. I, I just saw some of the folks on Twitter um, starting to put their uh, their icons with the uh, the pride flag, and I was like, "All right, well, I know what I've got to do today." So <laughs> probably after after we finish up here, um, I've got some more that I need to record, but I'm probably going to grab uh, uh, my icon and, and get a, a pride rainbow slapped yes. on top of it so i can have it posted for this um yeah if, if anyone yeah if anyone doesn't know i've been a, a huge supporter um of, of the, the pride movement and it's it's been it was such a great thing to see like the pride flag in uh in sea of thieves a lot of people aren't comfortable with it but you know what it's not necessarily for them it's for everyone that that is comfortable with it and hopefully exactly. hopefully if it's seen around more than uh, than they're used to that it just becomes natural like I was I was just watching uh, Rocket Man um, yesterday uh, and uh, Elton John as yes. we know is, a, a, is gay and, and it was really cool to see kind of like his love story kind of progress through there and the in back of my mind I was thinking I was like the first time I was really exposed to this on a big screen was uh, Brokeback Mountain and mm -hmm. that movie was so moving for me and now it's like it's just so commonplace in my mind. I'm like, oh, you know what? Like 20 years ago, this would have been pretty risque for people. But now it's like, all right, well, I'm totally like this is not a big deal. I mean, it wasn't a big deal then, but to me, but it was it's cool that it's become so commonplace that we're we're seeing that kind of diversity in movies and in games and stuff and being able to have people identify uh, however they want or, or to feel like they're represented in games more. I, I want more of that. And I've been really happy with uh, with Rare's kind of dedication to making sure that people have that option if they want to. Yeah, I love like Joe and, and Craig's like unwavering commitment to, um, especially when that Pride flag uh, went in, you know, they, they had that unwavering to, you know, this is this is our stance on this. And, uh, and we are all, you know, this, this should be a place for everyone on the Sea of Thieves and everyone should feel included. And everyone should feel yeah. a part of this, and as, uh, and yeah, it's been it's been amazing to see as as that moves forward, and we continue to to you know try and put accessibility features in there, and we continue to uh, look at how we how we portray our pirates, and there's always, um, there's always we always try to do it through a lens of of diversity and and inclusion, and um, I'm, yeah, I'm really yeah be be part of a company that. It takes that so seriously yeah and and that it, it's so open about it too like yes. knowing that that it, it doesn't it you can have that on the inside and and you know be like all right well we're inclusive no matter what uh on and and have that as like a company standard on the inside but to come out and say like look there's nothing wrong with this and anyone that says differently doesn't necessarily have to be here we're sorry to see you go but this is how we feel yes and to to have those kind of company, like, uh, it's so cool to see that. I want more companies to have that stance, to be more open about how how they're, uh, I, don't, I can't even think of what it is, like, but uh, I don't know, d decisions or, or pride or morale, I, I can't think of what the word is. But, yeah, I think just at the um, top, even even when you look at Xbox and you look at uh, Microsoft as a, as a whole, effort into, at uh, the moment, you know, making making the employees and, and customers feel um, included in, you know, that diverse 
diversity conversation and, and making them feel welcome and included. And um, sometimes I think I, I went through, sorry to get into this, you were about to end it. And then... <laughs> if you're good to go, let's keep talking. <laughs> um, it's strange. I've always been very open about it. And so for me, it wasn't ever a, a huge issue. When I went to Rare as well, I was very open and, um, and I don't think I'm, I'm pretty flamboyant as a person and pretty expressive myself. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not, it's never something I've hidden and, and most people, uh, know, I'm sure everybody knows I'm gay, um, rare, but at the same time, I know there's people out there who like at rare or, or at Microsoft and Xbox who really struggle with it. Um, yeah, I think seeing, you know, like seeing I've, I've got at the moment and Facebook right now in the Xbox logo with the, the flag behind it and you're seeing your company stand for it. It really means something to, to a lot of people to say that, you know, this mega corporation essentially in Microsoft and this huge company that I work for has got my back. And, and sometimes when in the world it feels like, you know, something that no one has my back and it's like, it's great to see people stand for that and, and, uh, and include you in that conversation. If it's, if taking that for a whole month and changing a profile picture, the pride flag means a lot to people, then it's a very small price to pay for something that means a lot. Was that, was that tough growing up with? Like, was it hard to, to kind of come to that realization at a certain age and, and kind of wonder, like, are you alone in the world? It's weird. Cause I would, lo- I, I, no, I would not love it. I would, I'd like to have interest about it. It was difficult for me. Sorry. To, um, for, but go, for, go back a little bit. The crack. It was breaking up on me. Yeah. yeah. I think for me, it wasn't really. I, I was lucky, very lucky to be born into like a family who were very liberal, very open. My, my dad's brother was gay. Um, I have two gay cousins. Um, and so for me it was and it's quite a big family i'm in so for me it was really an issue and uh and even growing up and going through high school it wasn't overly an issue which is like i know it's contrary to a lot of stories that we hear but um i've kind of had an easy ride of it um for the for the most part um and when i hear stories like my partner he's he's from Romania and it was a lot harder for him um when he grew up even to this to this day it's a lot you know harder for him um but yeah uh and so I see those struggles and I appreciate what I've had and like you know that I've always been I was brought up to be kind of confident in, in myself and to you know not take people's opinions too much to heart but uh but yeah i was really lucky growing up that i didn't really have much of an issue and i had a very supportive family uh around me any any advice that you'd give to um 
people that are growing up and, and they're starting to to see that they're that they aren't kind of falling into one group or the other that that they could maybe learn from some of that confidence that you've you've had yeah i guess like um having not gone through that i can't be 100 percent on on these things because i never really haven't really experienced it myself but i would say there's, there's a lot out there and like trying you know everyone's going to try and say something to bring you down at some point because like there's a lot of people out there who have insecurity mm-hmm. other people um and that doesn't just count for you know being gay it's like anything around that people are always going to try and kind of bring you down if they feel insecure about themselves and i think when it comes to um lgbtq and you know like finding yourself it's about like reaching out to the people around you that we have sometimes it can be a double-edged sword with with social media but they on one hand you know you have this amazing network of people that you can reach out to in of groups and um like the great thing about having that community and around you and having the uh, that kind of pride month in the LGBTQ community is that you have that ability to reach out to those people and talk. And that's sort of moving down to when I moved from Scotland to Birmingham, it was the amazing part of being down here is the community that's created around uh, LGBTQ stuff is just amazing. And all of my friends that I have down here through like going out and and going to events and and things and mm-hmm. the most welcoming community I could ever imagine being part of and and uh, yeah I just sit like as sometimes it's hard but just be yourself like and and it'll come through yeah it's hard when you're young to understand because other you want to be popular you want kids you don't want the other kids to make judgment on you like, to take judgment of you but it's like just be yourself because at the end of the day it will shine through in the end. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that's, it's always tough when you're growing up to try and find out like, who are you? I mean, the person that I was when I was young is definitely not the person that I am now, but it, it took a lot of other people, um, to have, I had a lot of other relationships with people, both friends and partners that, um, taught me about who I am, uh, by them observing me on a day-to-day basis. And I guess, I guess the best thing that, that I could say to kind of echo that is, is just to, to, you know, look inside yourself and see what makes you happy, see what makes you upset and to focus on having people around you that make you happy because that's, that tends to be the, the time when you feel the best version of yourself coming out. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just don't, like regardless of what makes you happy don't let anyone else change you it's like if you're happy with what you are let anyone else like tear you down or or change you for who you want to be so yeah you are the best it's true it's very true john thank you again appreciate it so much that you you were able to come on and um Thank you for for Rare and for Microsoft, uh, Joe and, and the team there for for letting you be able to come on and speak. I know that this is 
I wanted to get this in and I know that we had to do this kind of uh, impromptu over the phone and stuff. So I, I really appreciate the fact that you, you could take some time to kind of talk with me. I know we've been planning on this for a while and with us getting into E3, uh, your job is just going to get infinitely more, um, more busy and, and time is of the essence at that point. So thank you so much. Uh, it's, it's been a true pleasure getting a chance to, to talk with you and hopefully we'll get to do it again uh, at a later time when you're less busy. Yes, I would love to catch up again. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it and uh, I'm sorry I can't jump into these much more often, but definitely if, if people are on there as well, if people are online, as my game, internal error is my gamer tag. As I said before, add me on Xbox Live if I'm on, and I have a free slot. Jump in and play like I play almost every night. So awesome. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, finish up here, and I'll, I'll close out like I normally do for everyone listening. This is just kind of transitioning into this. You'll hear the little bump, 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 and <laughs> we'll close out. All right, pirates, that's going to do it for this episode. Again, sorry for some of the audio issues with recording it. Uh, we really wanted to get it done this weekend because next weekend's E3 and he's going to be traveling and I'm going to be busy with work and covering uh, E3 news or at least watching it. And we just wanted to get this uh, in. We, we've been trying to get this together for a bit and we're going to be doing more in the future uh, as long as it's okay with the company and uh, works out time-wise. So Pirates, thank you very much. If you want to get a hold of me, you can always do so. My email address is C-A-P-T l-o-g-u-n at gmail.com you can always reach me on twitter at c-a-p-t underscore l-o-n uh if you want to or l-o-g-u-n i don't know why i said that that way but um if you want to get a hold of us otherwise if you want to join the conversation and share your your tidbits or your stories any questions or feedback you might have there's great ways to do it um you can always join the discord server as well too in the show notes uh you can always find a link to discord you can always join up and start chatting with other pirates, finding crews, talking about lore, getting arena matches in, and discussing other games and systems as well, too. That's going to do it for this episode. I really, I really appreciate you all sticking with us uh, to the end and listening to, to my first kind of interview with Rare as we kind of step into this new new era of Keelhauled because uh, I'm going to be around a while we're going to be doing this for a while and it's only going to get better as we learn and grow together so pirates thank you I love you and I look forward to sailing with you on the Sea of Thieves <laughs>